Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So I've really been enjoying this series of tweets that I don't know if you've seen from Darren Willman, who does analytics for the MLB, mm-hmm. uh, which is the most blank by state. And he's filled in a bunch of different statistics. Um, I just grabbed home runs because it, it might be the most iconic, but it's really interesting. Who's a, who's your state leader? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nobody. It's too bad. I learned, uh, I learned a couple interesting things. I appreciate Shane Victorino being from Hawaii. Yep. Oh yeah, no, we we knew that. Yep. The flying Hawaiian did not know he was the all-time hits or the all-time home runs leader from born in Hawaii. Did you know that Carlton Fisk was born in Vermont? I also did not know that. I learned some interesting stuff. I knew Dave Winfield was from Minnesota, obviously. I had not known that. Oh come on! I guess I didn't. I didn't know that Barry Bonds was from California. I had not realized that either. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, but it's a good one. it was interesting. So I, I appreciated these and I liked I liked some of the other ones. My my main takeaway about New England was that those are small states. <laughs> They're not. Did you like that Mo Vaughn? I did not realize he was from Connecticut. I didn't know that either. I know. One of our friends is going to be really upset at us. Yep. I also just wanted to uh, let you know the Silmarillion. For those of you with Amazon Prime, get out there and get reading. It's free. Yeah, we're all about foundational text this uh, this season, so that's a really important one. Yeah, you know we we've talked about it. We talked about it on the last pod too. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, so I think I just I just read reread the um, the introduction, which I really appreciate because it's you know it's it's chock full of material, uh, but he writes it because it's it's the it's a letter that he wrote so it's chock full of mythology and mythos from middle earth but it's written in modern speak like it's written like you would write a letter to someone and he explains some of his thinking behind the lord of yeah. the rings which i really appreciate you know he goes yeah. through he introduces the ancient rhyme that appears as the leitmotif of the lord of the rings and he talks about that and talks about the genesis of everything. I mean, you could really just read the this letter and get that serves as the introduction and get a really good picture of what's going on. Which is your favorite uh, man elf coupling? I don't know. Who's your favorite? It's the one that doesn't happen. I love that uh, Turin turned down a lady elf. That's awesome. That is. That's baller. the part that you like. That's your big takeaway. Love away. it love it yeah i the other thing the other thing that holds me back is that i uh there's there's so many pronunciation questions that i have oh you know like god it's so there hard. are things that i've thought about for years in my head <laughs> and never been able to be like wait how do i say this out loud like like is it so it's it's like okay let's just run through some of the names like I'm looking at them right now thingol and melian is that how you'd say those yeah okay melian yeah 
That's how you'd say those. Bingo. And then, yeah. but so elderly, like what, what does the umlaut over the E do to the pronunciation? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. No. So, Elwi? so we're stuck. <laughs> yeah. It's like Elwi, Olmo. Cause we're immediately stuck like Fanor. Oh yeah. I mean, so many great names in here. Finarfin. The names in this are more inaccessible than the rest of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's a huge, yeah. It's a huge roadblock. Yeah. You just either have to like give in. I don't know how to pronounce these names or you have to doubt yourself every single time. Well, that's my point is that it's fine if you're reading in your head or like thinking about it in your head. Right. Yeah. Well, this week, the big topic is in getting into fantasy is understanding the rankings. So in the first half, I'm going to do a little bit of regression analysis on some expert rankings and see what we can glean from that. And then in the second half, Eric's going to talk about what it means when someone is lagging in their rankings versus their ADP, especially with comparison to last year and this year. So here we go. It's silly to expect any one of us to generate an entirely fresh list of rankings on our own. Oh my gosh. I hate when an analyst, a fantasy analyst says you really have to do your own rankings. When am I going to do my own rankings? I know. How am I going to do that? People get paid real money to do this. (laughs) Like I get it. Like I want to win definitely, but they're really like some, at some point there's a finite amount of time that I can put into this. There are a thousand players that i have to sort through and there are so many different dimensions that i need to consider things that i i can predict out and things that i can't and then confounding factors that i would need to know a lot of information about like that's why we go to experts yeah and the crazy part for me like the thing that i always think about is the the work to reward ratio which is that if you're in a 12 team league you're putting in the effort for 12 guys to get one right like every like you're learning about 12 guys that 11 other oh, guys yeah. that are barely gonna, barely yeah. going to impact your team <laughs> i know as as we've just started our rolling draft it it's crazy to be like yeah look at all these players i love all these players and all of a sudden they start falling off the board and it's like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. hey i'd fallen in love with those top 12 that's kind of what I was going for. I mean, my goal here is to spend a little bit less time talking about the specific rankings and more about the philosophy of ranking. Okay, so how about this? Philosophy of ranking. If I say that that player X is 12 and player 13, or player Y is 13, all things equal, no additional information about the team or league, I would take X over Y. Is that how I should be approaching the rankings? With all things equal... That is a whole lot of additional thought that you're putting into it. No, that's not true at all. Well, then how... Okay, then give me your succinct what are rankings. Like, what does a ranking list actually mean? A ranking says who is the per- who is the player that is most likely to accrue the most stats at the end of the season that will help your team. That's that's what you're trying to go for. So you're saying player 12 is going to be incrementally better for any randomized team than player 13. No. I, no, that's not quite it, but it's it's mostly it. It's it's that piece and then it's it's most likely to actually realize 
those statistics. You know what I mean? Right. So, so you're saying that my pick of James Paxton today worries is you. A, is a, <laughs> right. It's a it's a it's a great uh, yeah. It's a a great um example of what could go wrong. Uh-huh. He has a higher ceiling than many of the players who were drafted ahead of him. Yes. But he's got a much lower floor. So that's that's added into the ranking. So this is not a ranking is not a bulletproof these are going to be the best players at the year's end. It's just these are the players that are most likely to be here at the year's end in my opinion. Most So this is the whole really, thing about That's how you approach rankings that you yeah, you're looking at you're looking at future predictions of realized future value. Huh. Right. Wow. Really? Cuz that's the whole point of ranking. That's and it's so much more important. I mean, I think in fantasy baseball it's important, but less so and it's a little bit easier to like blame injuries and stuff and stuff like that. In fantasy football, it's like much more important to think about things that way. All right. Well, let's get some real numbers. I think there was there was an interesting discussion on what what rankings actually mean. And if anyone else wants to get in on a philosophical bent with us, <laughs> love to hear it. Twitter wars are welcomed. So again, I've been poring over the ESPN cheat sheets, thinking you know this is really the access point for most people. If you're getting into fantasy, why not? And you know they certainly put out a very glossy product and promote it, and they they have two three dedicated guys that are really talking about it and thinking about it. But I immediately wanted to know, okay, where does the variance come into this? Where, where do these rankings actually break down and what, what can that tell me about draft thoughts? Okay. So they, an interesting thing is that they build these with the three major um, scoring methods or game types. So they build these as, one ranking that goes for roto points and one ranking that goes for head to head points and one that goes for head to head categories. Yep. Now I shared this with you and I asked, boy, it really seems like head to head points is totally different from roto points and head to head categories. And you said, no, that's actually just a crazy set of rankings. Yeah. Essentially. (laughs) That's that's what I said. It's, yeah, I mean, you you kind of you kind of led me to that, but yeah, I know it's completely off. Um, and it, I don't know if that's the ranker AJ Mass or if it's that he's thinking totally that the format is totally different. Yeah, but it's got to just be he's valuing players very differently than the other two. I so that's it's interesting because after we we talked about this a little bit, so I just I made um I made a figure that was looking at the scatter. So it was just for the the same player, where did they show up in one set of rankings versus another thinking, okay, we'll see something about the the draft strategies that should be going into roto points, head to head points, head to head categories, you know, thinking mostly selfishly for us in our future um, pros league draft where we have to get out of our head to head category mindset and think about think about roto points. <laughs> Yeah, well, we we do have to, right? And so I was thinking, like, okay, well, what, what do we actually do? We actually have to behave differently at all. But I found something that I was actually more interested in, which is how much these individual ones disagree. Um, would you like to guess of the three of them what position they agreed on the most? Third base. It is third base. Third base. They're both up 
over mm. they're both they're all up over 92 or 0.92 okay at r squared for the r squared yeah so nice. so they're pretty tight correlation which is <laughs> i i actually i was pretty impressed by that although um there is one even higher correlation between tristan cockroft and eric caravel who host the really fantastic fantasy baseball fantasy focused baseball catcher podcast. catcher yep Point nine nine. <laughs> <laughs> They're just. Uh, this is just what the rankings are. <laughs> like they've beat it into each other. And then there is a lot. Of, there actually is a fair amount of agreement with AJ Mass on that as well. So there's a few categories where I wasn't really worried. Okay, big biggest difference, starting pitchers, and I think that's a philo- of course philosophy thing. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean I think fan- I think. Fantasy wise, starting pitchers are really, really hard because at year to year they can fall off. They can have bad seasons, and there's such a such smaller sample size that you know a couple of bad starts and being concerned that a pitcher can have a couple of bad starts is going to really change their value. So, what does that mean for pitcher rankings? Like, let me ask you, like when you're ranking pitchers, does that mean that we just shouldn't be taking pitchers until later? Because, you know, neither of us, I don't think either of us actually does that. No, because people are going to take, still take those pitchers. Otherwise we're left with only the pitchers are at the value that we think that they are. And we're more likely to be wrong. So, so I guess, you know, it's sort of playing itself out in our league right now where the ranking of pitchers that people are actually drafting is much 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 lower than the ranking of batters that people are drafting or much higher you know what i mean like if we're drafting pitcher 60 we're drafting batter 30 right now yeah i know it's a lot of pitchers are off the board right now in our in our league which is crazy and i'm wondering if that's like you you already alluded to this earlier that there were a lot of really good pitching performances last year but Every year, there's so much variance, and yet we still there are still pitchers highly ranked. I mean, there's still there's still a mm-hmm. pitcher in the first round. There's still a few pitchers in the second round. How do we take? How do we trust those rankings, or how do we approach those? I don't know. I think pitchers. It's much more a gut check on health. What we think the health is going to be of the, of the pitcher, and, and gauge on that because that's going to be the biggest mover. It worries me that you're basically just kind of you're they're there's a huge luck element to that, right? A little bit, but I mean, I think we knew that Noah Syndergaard was potentially hurt last okay. year. I think that we had a feeling that Jake Arrieta was potentially hurt. But what about David but, Price, who had pitched 200 innings every year before that? Then we we're concerned that he was uh, being being overpitched. Oh come on! So how do you just like how do you decide where that happens? And then we should have had the intel that Madison Bumgarner likes to dirt bike okay if we know that like, geez <laughs> i don't know how we're gonna stay on top of all that like of all the things that i have to think about i also have to remember what their dangerous hobbies are yeah <laughs> we couldn't quite fit in this tangent about one of our favorite players to discuss so here it is as an outtake where does Corey dickerson fall to now that he's moved to the pirates far well even from the rays which were a gutted team i know he's it's crazy that he was better he had more value on that just shell of a rays team than he does on this pirates team (laughs) 
you were shouting for him to leave so he could have a better opportunity, and somehow he found a worse one. Continuing the rankings theme, we'll discuss how 2018's consensus rankings compare with 2017 ADP. The reason for this dive is that Eric Carabell, ESPN fantasy analyst, contends that analysts should pay more attention to the 2017 ADP instead of giving into the zeitgeist group think. <laughs> I was curious who would show up if I started to do this. Uh, you know, retrofit analysis. Mike, first off, does this strategy pass the sniff test? Basically saying you should, it would be better to draft off of last year's ADP than to draft off of this year's consensus rankings. The idea is interesting because it, it, I mean, to me, it's really a like three year average type argument, right? Mm. Like, oh, well, take take last year's consensus rankings and then, or last year's really consensus rankings, realized consensus rankings in terms of averages, like figure yeah. out when people are going to actually be drafted. And then, of course, you can kick out the like, okay, well, that just doesn't make sense anymore, candidates. Right. So there's still going to be some sorting that you have to do. Yeah. I th- is what you're implying. I think... I think he's sort of giving us an interesting in to what we said before, which is, should you make your own rankings? No, you shouldn't. Okay, well, what's another method to make your own rankings? Use last year's ADP and go down the list and say, no, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, just drop them to the bottom. Yeah. Which is still a whole bunch of work. (laughs) Yes, but it's less work than, okay, who's number one? (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. Start from scratch. And then spend hours on the first 12 and be like, oh my gosh, I'm only one round through. And I get one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, only get one of those guys. Yeah. You do. Yeah. You do 12 times the work. Huh. Wow. That's crazy to think about. Yep. All right. Second off, what are some of the caveats you'd mention in following a method like this? You already started to say, um, you chuck some guys. Is there anything else that you would try to consider or bring? Well, the inverse problem, right? The inverse problem of how do you content, how do you grab the breakout guys? Because there are certainly guys that overperformed last year as well. I mean, we just, we just watched one get drafted like Corey Kniebel. If you draft him on his 2017 AVP, like you're never going to get it. He's going to be so low. No. Absolutely. Oh, right. So how do you contend with those guys? How do you add that into the fold, right? Exactly. And I guess, how do you take into account Whit Merrifield? <laughs> well, I mean, you don't, but, you know. Uh, I was... Two episodes. <laughs> two, two. You did it. But I think, you know, an, an easy one is named closers. Like, guys that were named closers last year are going to yeah. shoot up the rankings, right? Because now they actually have realized value that they didn't last year. Yeah, so there are a lot of caveats, and and I think that when we were emailing this around, you started to think about some of them, like, is there an age component to this that we should be exploring? Is there a league component that we could potentially be exploring? Mm -hmm. Is there a team component that we could, like, essentially be looking at? Like, geez, I think any pirate who's left has got to have been has fallen down the rankings, right? They would show up in the ADP difference analysis. Uh, luckily for us, I still have fantasy pros ADP from 
April 1st, 2017. I have it handy, and I have a web scraping tool for grabbing Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings. Boom. So what I've done is I smashed the two data sets together based on the player name and then found the difference between the 2018 rank and 2017 ADP. Just a quick subtraction there. Mm-hmm. I queried out players that were in the top 100 ADP in 2017 and are at least 12 rank spots back from their 2017 ADP this year. Mike, I've shared these with you. What was your, who was the first player that you saw and you chuckled to yourself? Well, chuckled to myself? Chuckled I, to yourself. I a mean, bit. I think <laughs> Edwin Encarnacion. But it was like a very sad chuckle. Oh, come on. <laughs> He's, I mean, he jumps out, right? He immediately jumps out because I, I predicted that he would be on this list. I just predicted he would <laughs> be even worse. You thought that he was going to be worse. Okay, so his... <laughs> right. His 2017 ADP last year was 23. He is currently consensus rank number 41. That's an 18 spot, uh, 18 spots back. I thought he would be something like 80. Yeah, you, you are always predicting the death of Edwin Encarnacion after you sold him for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, I, I think he could easily double his his future value this year, right? So he went from 20 to 40. He could go from 40 to 80 this year, no problem. There are a couple of infielders like that, though. Infielders hmm. I, I use loosely for Edwin Encarnacion. Beltre. Where's Beltre? So basically my whole former team, like Kinsler. Oh, uh, yeah. No, he was, So Beltre went from 31 to... Oh, went from 66 to 97. So 30.1 point drop. Uh, I was going to say Daniel Murphy went from 31 you know, to 49. More infielders on this list than A lot of infielders outfielders. on this list. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I've been noticing that first time around, and and pitchers, of course, a lot of pitchers, a lot of shortstops. Look at the most handsome man is on this list. That's depressing. Most handsome man, Hollywood Hamels. (laughs) Well done. Went from (laughs) eighty to two eleven. That hurts, man. That hurts. That hurts, but I would take him at two eleven. Oh, two eleven for sure. Love it. Only for that, that that clubhouse morale. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Mark Trumbo, geez. So a couple of things that I had noted, and, you know, one was the aforementioned relief pitching conundrum. Mm-hmm. O <laughs> was number 79 in ADP a year ago, 324 right now as he uh, just found a landing spot. Zach yeah. Britton, 63 290. I mean, these are players that you want to make sure that if you're following the <laughs> Eric Carabell method, that you're not accidentally drafting super early. Mark Belanson, though, what's... Yeah, what is going on with him? Is he repaired fully? I thought so. Is he not? Uh, well, let's, let's put a flag on that. Mike, don't tell everyone in our league. <laughs> Uh, I think you'll have picked him by the time this goes out. I'll have picked him. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah. So we 
We noted infielders. So Chris Davis is on this list. Lots yeah. of shortstops. So one thing that though that I think maybe part of Eric Caravelle's intention that we just spent a bunch of time poo-pooing this list, like thinking about the guys that are dropping. But what about the guys that we actually that we don't believe that their drop is real? That we actually think, okay, the reason to use this list is because of a bounce back candidacy. Right, absolutely. I think that there uh, are there a couple of players in here. I am going to post up a couple of graphs. We got a good graph that shows a couple of example players. The um, 2018 rankings as a function of 2017 ADP. And uh, we'll be posting that up shortly here. But in general, don't follow this. As Mike says, don't die by the sword on this one. (laughs) Take it with a grain of salt. All right, you about ready to wrap this sucker up? Logan Morrison <laughs> signs with the Twins. That's an interesting one. Just taking all the uh, Rays, all the Florida cast offs. You know, I okay. I have to. I'm going to ask you this because I love them both. But who is better for the Twins, Jake Odorizzi or Logan Morrison? Odorizzi. Okay. Really, really. Yeah, because yeah, because you need pitching. You're team's horrible well, at pitching. we still have uh baseball we, we're still trotting joe mauer out there i don't understand we have like five former twin greats on the coaching staff why doesn't joe mauer just move to coaching i 100 percent agree with you uh, all right mike are you ready for your robot overlords in the sports analysis world in the sports analysis <laughs> world, a lot of chatter about machine learning and AI for sports analysis. I think there's way too much randomization and capacity for human error for this to work out. AlphaGo? There's still really clear rules that the computer can digest. There are not there's so many variables in this that are uncontrolled. I mean, I'm ready to be proven wrong, um, and I'm excited about that. But, man, that's a tough one. I mean, think about how coarse all of the stats that we keep track of are in terms of actually describing the physics or the rule set that occurs in baseball. Yeah, it's it's pretty coarse but do you think that a machine could beat us in fantasy machine could beat us in fantasy uh you and me do you think we or... put a machine into the league what's that you and me or <laughs> professionals <laughs> so you and me <laughs> um, yeah. uh that's a good question um yes eventually i don't know how long it would take because the, the training set type data that you would need, the time scale for that might be longer than the actual time scale that baseball exists on. Meaning players actively age, whereas the game of Go and chess don't age. So right. while a computer might get fixated on a s- specific player's performance, it may already be passed. True. True. So given enough information, I mean, if you can train a computer to watch YouTube clips of swing planes and 
and <laughs> you know <laughs> pitch deliveries like sure but you think that's going to be alpha goes next uh <laughs> next venture alpha go the computer program i mean the plays board i kind of hope so the plays board game go kind of hope so why not well mike i think that about brings us to the review session everybody knew they were covering the matrix and that that was a nice little primer for us more no robot overlords yeah all right uh some people will accept them some people will not (laughs) i picked this so my question to you is give me one thing that you like and one thing that you don't like about the movie now on the rewatch one thing that I like that I had forgotten played such a big role, mental uploads. Yes. Can we please get those now? Yes. Yes. Like That's the a great I one. Know Kung Fu has been made into such a spoof of the movie, but the whole in the context of the movie, it's like he just learned Kung Fu by a computer program going load. Yep. That is bonkers. You got a thing you don't like? Oh, thing that I don't like, which is something that I don't like so much that I love it, is the ridiculously dated technology. The computers, the computer keyboards, the monitors, the hardline phones. I forgot that hardline yes. phones took such a big part in this. Yep. Why? Why? This is sort of like Inception. That movie is so much like this i'm realizing i had i probably hadn't watched the matrix in like four years before i watched that movie this movie is so much that movie owes so much to this one yeah no i i agree it's the same like it's the overarching idea of it being all in your mind is is still there um things all all right things things that i liked i remembered how after seeing this for the first time i immediately took a hardcover book and cored it out so I could hide stuff in it. <laughs> like, like he hides, like he hides the, the discs in yeah. there. I was like, Oh man, this, this is it. This is great. And I, similar to you, um, I didn't need any more Rob zombie in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was thinking about that a lot of the movie. Like, this movie would have been so amazing if you had John Williams instead of whatever the garbage music that they've picked up for like his whole. It's thing. true. I have. I actually. I'm less opposed to Rob Zombie, which is you know a thing that happened in the late '90s, than I am to the filler music that they put in. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. <laughs> Could you imagine the movie if they had like a proper like, you know. If John Williams wasn't available because it was 1999 and he was working on episode one, Howard Shore. I know. Come on. Make I know. the call. Han, early Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Mm. I mean, think about all these. Think about all these options. All right, that was that was a good fantasy cut. <laughs> that was that was a good one. Yeah. All right, Michael. That means that we have to pick a movie for next week. Let's go back. It's gonna be. Let's go back to our freshman year of college. We're going to go see 300. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that. What? Wow. 
Wow, wow. What a fantasy movie. I know immediately what I'm thinking about off the top of my head, and I'm excited to see if those are the things that I identify with when we get when I get to watching it. <laughs> All right, everyone. So just remember to watch 300 uh, before the next pod. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.